so now I invite you to take a deep breath and center yourselves as we get ready to worship God. Jamie Kaufman, he, his, him, and I'm from Philadelphia. Hi, uh, my name is Marcia Gallo, she, her, hers. Um, I uh, am here in New York. Hi everyone, I'm Ann Kemet, and um, I'm also here in New York. We go between New York and Delaware. Hi everyone, um, I'm Yesenia Delgado, I use she and her pronouns, and I'm actually out in Portland, Oregon. Hi, I'm Cami Choi. Um, pronouns are she, her, hers. And I am from St. Paul, Minnesota, but I just moved to Jersey City um, to start a new job out here, so I'm really excited about that.
Today, we light the candle of hope. Hope in the promises of God to heal us, to forgive us, to restore us. We hope in God to heal the world. We hope in love to heal the world. We hope. Amen. As we hope, let's sing together Siahamba. church now we could do better than that this morning good morning church are we marching in the light of God this morning all right thank you so much to the Ashcraft Hambrook family for reminding us of hope in this time we are in our first week of Advent there is a lot I feel for us to be hopeful for as we move into this season but we can't hold the hope without also recognizing that we're still holding a lot of grief in this time as well and so let us hold both these things in tension with intention. Um, and then knowing that God is still very much present and moving in the midst of all of it together with us. And so a couple of announcements with you all as we go into this season. First and foremost, to remind you that we will be having, our, going into Advent, we'll be having a four-week book study uh, with our very own senior minister, Reverend Dr. Jackie Lewis's book, Fierce Love. Can we give a round of applause for the book, Fierce Love? This will begin, as you see, on the first Tuesday coming up, uh, November 30th. Is that the correct day? Yep, November 30th. Our Reverend Dr. Jackie Lewis will be leading that first one, and we will be again meeting every Tuesday of Advent to go through that book together. There is definitely a message in that book that will help us not only into the next season, the next year, but specifically in this season we find ourselves right now. Fierce love is what's going to, in fact, carry us through. So let's make sure that we all come and participate in this journey together. The next reminder is that next week, as I know is very much heavy on the spirit of our community, is the one-year commemoration of our fire uh, that has displaced our community, uh, that has put us in this wilderness journey that we find ourselves. And so next week, we want to invite you all to come and be in worship with us in person if you can. Those who are virtually, you can participate the exact same way because we are going to gather together in worship, but we are also going to pilgrimage together next Sunday to the site. Again, if you are gathering virtually, you can pil you'll be able to pilgr pilgrimage with us virtually as well. But for those who are going to gather here physically, we are going to make our way from Calvary to 50 East 7th or to 100 uh, in 12th and 2nd Avenue. Leaving from this place, we will have uh, transportation available for those who will need assistance in order to, to get there, but we're going to encourage those who can 
pilgrimage, those who can walk to do so together as we make our way there to hold that day with intention. Um, and we're going to ask that people come and you can bring ofrendas to be able to leave at the site as well. But let's continue to hold one another as we move into that time together. Uh, and then lastly, uh, I want to just remind everyone too, uh, one of the best ways that you can serve and be a part of this movement is as an usher. And so we have a need for those to help us usher digitally and in person. And so if you would like to help do that, it's not too difficult to do, but you can always learn more and sign up at middlechurch.org forward slash usher. All right. And so again, thank you all so much for being with us on this Sunday morning. It's so good to see all of you here today. And with that, I'm going to move us now into a time of prayer together. Gracious God, we come to you on this Sunday morning with lots of emotions, lots of feelings that are in our spirits, on our hearts, lots of things in our mind. But we just ask that, Lord, that while we are here in this place today, that even for just a moment, we might be able to set down our burdens, bring those to your altar, set them at your feet, and in exchange, as you promised us in your, in your most holy word, that you would give us your burden and your yoke, which are both easy and are light. Help us, God, to, to see within one another the movement of your spirit, to see your very presence here in this place with us, guiding every step that we take, embracing us where we need to feel your love, to touch us precisely where we need to be touched, reminding us, God, that we are never alone, that in the eyes and in the presence of each person in this place today is also evidence of your divine presence. And that here in this place that we might even for just a little bit get a glimpse of the promise of your coming reign and your coming kingdom. And so God, thank you for, for gathering us in this place today. Thank you for being with us in this place today. And I invite us to pray together the prayer that you taught your disciples to pray so long ago in whatever language, whatever tongue most resonates with our hearts and in our spirits. In church, together we say, our creator who art in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your reign come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sin against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For yours is the reign, the power, and the glory forever and ever. And let the church say together, Amen. Amen.
thank you all so much for that lovely prayer and song. For those who know or remember, we lost a dear member of our community, Charles Brown. And so we lift up that prayer, that song, in memory of him. And if you all were just in, a, just for just a moment, let's just take a moment of silence to hold his memory and his presence here with us on this Sunday morning. Loving God, hear our prayers. Let us take a moment to pass the peace of Christ, the hope of Christ, the grace of Christ with our neighbors.
Thank you, choir. Thank you, Dion. Thank you, band. It is the first Sunday of Advent, friends. Wasn't it just summer yesterday? Seems like it. We say a word of prayer with me. Eternal God, your word is a lamp unto our feet and a light unto our path. We ask as we listen for a word from you that the words of my mouth that the meditations of all of our hearts will be acceptable in your sight, God, our rock, and our redeemer. Amen. Listen for a word of God from the prophet Jeremiah in chapter 33, two short verses, verses 14 through 16. The days are surely coming, says the Lord, when I will fulfill the promise I made to the house of Israel and to the house of Judah. In those days and at that time, I will cause a righteous branch to spring up for David and he will execute justice and righteousness in the land. In those days, Judah will be saved and Jerusalem will live in safety. And this is the name by which it will be called. The Lord is our righteousness. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Amen. Do I need to use a different microphone? Move this one out. The way. The room is so big, you're like, what's the sign being given? <laughs> I got it. Thank you. Thanks, everybody. Sign language. Thank you so much. The days are surely coming, says Jeremiah, to a people 
traumatized. The days are surely coming, says the prophet, to a people sitting in the middle of rubble, of devastation, of broken bricks and broken hearts. The days are surely coming, says the prophet Jeremiah, to a people split in half, South Kingdom, North Kingdom, Israel, Judah, Republicans, Democrats, vaccinated, anti-vax, poor, rich, white, black, Asian, indigenous, Latinx, immigrants, non-documented, the days are surely coming, Jeremiah says, to a people war-torn, beat down, broken up, no temple, snatched from their homeland, the best and the brightest, exiled to Babylon. The days are surely coming when the promise I made to you of peace, of wellness, of wholeness, of well-being, of prosperity, of connection, of thankful living, of goodness, of justice, of wellness. Those days are coming, the prophet says, in the middle of the hot mess. Not when it's better, not when it's over, not when the hearts are no longer grieving, not when the tears are no longer falling, not when the chatter is no longer toxic, not after the little boys take rifles to a protest to manage the people, not after the black man running is hunted for sport. No. When the stuff is still hitting the fan, when the politics are toxic, when the hope is dried up, when the land is shards, when the crops are failed, when the culture is broken, the people are ripped apart, the prophet says, in those days, in those days, Judah will be saved, and Jerusalem will live in safety. There will be mending, there will be repairing, there will be justice, there will be kindness, there will be love, there will be generosity, there will be a unified people whose hearts are connected one to the other, whose well-being is inextricably bound in the spirit of Ubuntu, who see each other as kin. This is the promise in the middle of the mess. It's just hard to believe it. It's so messy. Those people had given up on themselves and given up on their God 
and had told themselves all kinds of theological stories about why things, what's the theological word, sucked. <laughs> they had clearly sinned. They had clearly cheated on God with other gods. Clearly, it was in their control, the devastation, something they hadn't done right so that they felt better about how bad it was. Walter Brueggemann says, Jeremiah is hard to read. This is true. But he says it's hard to read because we won't look at it truthfully. He says it's actually a text about the abyss, about the bottom humanity can go. It's written in the context of the absolute worst scene in the history of all of Israel. And even then, as it was happening, the people to whom it was occurring didn't want to see it, didn't want to know, didn't want to look, didn't want to tell the truth about how bad it was. And so there were false prophets popping off, telling folks it wasn't so bad and it was going to get better. But without telling the truth about how bad it was, the hope was shallow and false and empty and t like tin like nothing, like dust. I think America has a truth-telling problem. I could say the world has a truth-telling problem, but that's too big for today. I'm going to say we can't handle the truth to steal from a movie. We pretend that there's something normal about the way politicians speak to each other in public. We pretend that it's kind of a game to play when one politician makes an anime to threaten the life of another because they disagree. We pretend well, we pretend that it's wrong for me to play the race card when I say a black boy carrying a rifle would never have made it through the police, let alone to a trial, let alone to millions of dollars raised to save him. And when I say that out loud and some nice white liberal person tells me I'm playing the race card, I think, I want to say, why aren't you? Why aren't we all playing the race card? We can't handle the truth of the permanence of the disparity among the races in this land. We sit at our dinner tables and eat turkey. Still too many of us under the fallacy of pilgrims and Indians having a really nice party without acknowledging the way the nation was built on stolen land by stolen bodies, and we keep stealing. We can't handle 
the truth of the way we lie about our origins and the lack of democracy. We can't handle the truth about the way our children are being raised by broken-hearted parents who were raised by broken-hearted parents, who were raised by traumatized parents, who watched the flaying of black bodies, the pillaging of indigenous bodies, the misuse of Asian bodies, the discounting of female bodies, and the ongoing disparaging of queer bodies. Come on, somebody. We can't handle the truth. And if we don't look straight at the truth, if we can't see where we are, we can't get to where we're going. If we can't own the brokenness of our nation, we can't help God keep her promises to make it better. I'm as ready, that's not true, I'm almost ready for the smell of pine in my living room. I'm almost ready for candles twinkling. I'm almost ready for carols singing. I'm almost ready for pie baking. I'm almost ready for the merriness that will come our way in a couple more weeks. But I don't want you and I to rush through the darkness to the light. I want you and I to sit shiva, to mourn the loss of Charles, the loss of Melanie's dad, the loss of the bodies that we've lost to COVID, the loss of freedom, the loss of liberty, the loss of hope, the loss of regular, ordinary hugs. I want us to hold on to that feeling of alienness, of exile for just a little bit, so that it breaks our hearts just a little bit, so that when we pray to God for deliverance, we can feel the, the space where God is entering in, not the fake place, but the real place, the terror, the heartbreak, the place in the darkness where the light needs to crash in so we can see where we're going. Does anybody know what I'm talking about? In those days, in those days, God is going to fix broken families. How do I know? I'm a witness to broken family fixing. I'm a witness to telling tales on my daddy in my book. Hi, Dad. And him calling me to say how proud he is that I put this truth in the world so other families can know they can recover. Come on, it's a miracle. In those days, God will fix what's crooked. How do I know? We're a witness that God liberated the captives of Israel and liberated the black captives in this nation and has liberated us captive from grief and pain and heartache and alienation with our own selves. I'm a witness that God is in the business of fixing what's broken. And you are too.
But we know it's not about magic. We know it's not about twinkling noses and suddenly. We know it's not about rubbing a genie lamp and poof. We know that God liberates God's people with people. We know that God opens doors with people, makes it right with people, heals the world with people, uses ordinary folks to make it better. Which is to say, none of us can be bystanders to the healing of the world. Which is to say, none of us gets to pretend Which is to say, you are the hands and the feet and the heartbeat of the holy, who in fact will crack the world wide open and make a more just society. Because of you, because of what you say to your children at the dinner table. I don't want to like, embarrass Graham and Amanda, but I'm going to for just a second. White Southern people with white children, they're all white, <laughs> and every time you look up, this family is raising, I'm going to steal you, Amanda, imagination for a healed world, a well world, a recovered world, a restored world. I like that. White people have white people work to do to raise children who have an imagination for an anti-racist society. I like that. I like all y'all who go past the Chinese church and the Hispanic church and the white church and the black church to come to this mixed up place where you don't know who you're going to sit next to and what they're going to look like. And your politics are not the same, but you're here because you know love's got something to do with making it better. I like that. I like that. I like that. I like that you test your resolve by letting a red-lipped, dreadlocked black chick talk to you on Sunday about race almost all the time. <laughs> almost all the time. And you come back for more. I like that. <laughs> I like that you and I know that we're not going to get better in segregated silos. We're not going to get better pretending that it's better. We're going to get better because we choose to see. We choose to see the world as it is and as God has planned it to be. That's hope. That's hope to see the world as God planned it to be even when it's not yet there. Hope is the space, the dream space, the what-ifness between the now and the not yet. And every single one of you is charged with moving us one step closer to the reign of God on earth. By every mean necessary, except violence. Can you feel that? This is, this is your job. How you spend your money, 
where you live, what media you consume, what stories you tell, what songs you sing, which prayers you pray, what you say at the dinner table to Uncle Bob and them, what you do at the workplace, in the marketplace, on the street, in your community, how you be loved everywhere, every day, all day long, 24-7. I can't preach these words without evidence. I can't. You are my testimony. Don't let me down. Don't let me down. Don't let each other down. Amen. Thank you, Reverend Jackie. If y'all aren't fired up to join this movement, I'm not sure what it will take, but we are honored today to hear from member Linda, who lives in Arizona with our Join the Movement. Linda! I'm here. <laughs> Can you hear me? I'm here. Hi. My name is Linda, and my pronouns are she, her, hers, and I live in Tucson, Arizona. Um, if you hear a bit of an accent, that's because I was born in New York and it never goes away. I found middle in December, uh, Christmas Eve in 2018 when they had the special. There was music and dancers, I loved that. And then there was Jackie's sermon and I actually re-listened to it to remind myself why it spoke to me. The sermon was a bold new religion called love. And she talked about how God came as a baby to a marginal place. He was the other. She spoke about how Christianity was hijacked by empire when Constantine made it a state religion. The institution of oppression and division to convert people, crusades to make Muslims into Christians, exterminate Jews because they were not Christian, and how we only have a Christmas to celebrate because Mary and Joseph escaped into Egypt where they were welcomed with their poor, brown, homeless, Jewish, refugee baby. Wow. And I realize middle is definitely a different place. It's not that I thought Jesus was a blue-eyed blonde or had never read anything about Constantine and changes made to Christian practice under his rule, but I had never heard these things clearly preach, preached in a sermon in a church. Jackie went on to talk about how Jesus said to love the Lord with all your heart, love your neighbor as yourself. And she said, after that, everything's commentary. Middle is about love, period. And love is a verb, a call to action. What is preached on a Sunday morning is carried out by the pastors in the congregation right out the door and into the streets. Middle has gone to the U.S.-Mexico border and witnessed family separation, children put in cages, 
They've gone to Puerto Rico to help after disaster. They participate in the Rainbow Parade in New York City, and they actively work on social justice issues. I wanted to be part of this new religion, this bold new religion called Love Movement. And so I joined Middle Church. I will always be a virtual member, and there are many other virtual members as well. However, thanks to technology, we're still connected to the church and to members who attend in-person worship. I participate in Bible in the Middle and chat and chew regularly and have the advantage of hearing from people from all parts of the, this country and every now and then someone from Germany or Paris. And I've also signed up for, as it was mentioned, this fierce new love. And that Bible study starts this Tuesday. Uh, not a Bible study, it's Jackie's book. You can join Middle by going to middlechurch.org slash join. And of course, all this work does require financial support. Space for worship needs to be paid for. Pastors and staff need to be paid. The ability to help within the community needs to be funded. And I would invite you to donate to Middle and provide financial support as you are able to power this bold new religion called love. There's many ways to give. You can go to the website, middlechurch.org slash give. You can Venmo at Middle Collegiate Church. There's a QR code in the bulletin to help you donate. And if you go online to give, you can just pay, you can sign up to give a one-time donation. You can sign up to give regular donations. And if you keep page to the bottom, all this information on how to donate is repeated. So thank you for listening to me this morning. I wish you well, blessings and have a good week. And I'll see you next week at Bible in the Middle. Thanks.
we have been reminded that we have some truth-telling to do. We've been reminded that we have hope. The gifts that we have given of our money, of our time, and of our talent are representation of our truth-telling and of our hope. So for that which has been given and for all that we still need to give, we give you thanks and we give believing that you, God, will do unimaginable things with what we bring. May it be so. Amen. Our closing hymn is in your bulletin. Ain't gonna let nobody turn me around. let nobody turn me around. Gonna keep on marching, keep on talking, marching up to freedom land. Yeah, we don't get to freedom land in a fake life. We're gonna get to the promised land, to justice, to reconciliation, to healness and wellness because we tell the truth. And the truth is we got lots of work to do. So it's an all-hands-on-deck type of spirituality I'm talking about. Yvette Flinder says, can't be no closet prophets. I like that. <laughs> I like that. You, my loves, you, you and I are the ones we've been waiting for. God needs us. I need you. You need me. Let's do this together. 
Amen.